0: 10th of June, Richard Lawson interviewing Miriam Kennett and also Volker Heinemann interjecting sometimes um, outside the British Library on behalf of Green World subject, the Green Economics Institute and its fabulous progress over the first two years. So Miriam, when was the Green Economics Institute first conceived?
1: The twinkle in my eye last uh, July, two years ago, um, just after the elections, um, I kind of thought it would be a good idea to expand it from its Green Party roots and see if there was support outside the party for green ideas.
0: So when did you first get, the, get interested in green economics?
1: Well, I suppose my first interest in green economics was when I was travelling in India, um, in central India, and I saw a little boy um, on a sledge. Uh, He didn't have any legs, unfortunately, outside a very posh Western hotel. And I was travelling with a companion then who wanted to buy him dinner in raffles. And it was very clear to me that buying dinner uh, for somebody in that situation in raffles wouldn't have worked because, firstly, they wouldn't have let him in. And, secondly, it didn't solve the actual problem of the reason why this poor boy was in such a predicament. And so I realised and I vowed then that I would like to change the system so that children don't have to suffer in that way.
0: So you have founded, with Volker, the Institute for Green Economics. Just talk about the, the dimensions of it. How many people are involved? What does it do? Where is it to be found? And its, and it's evolution, yeah.
1: Well, one of the things I was quite interested in is how we worked around the political arena so that we actually use that that space that the Green Party has but drew in other people and so very early on we found that our conferences were bringing people on board and actually attracting people to green ideas and then they were attracted to the Green Party And it was one of the ways that Reading Green Party expanded um, so what we realised was that we had a new campaigning tool by using an academic institute we were able to do all sorts of fancy things we were able work, firstly to work at the interface between politicians and policy Um, business, academics, including environmentalists, economists, psychologists, sociologists, And also (laughs) campaigners, campaigners. yes. And what we try and do is work at the interface between all of those, because what we found very strongly was business wasn't listening to the academics, academics weren't listening to policy makers, campaigners weren't necessarily listening to all the others, and what we try to do is make the campaigning stronger by giving them all the tools of the methodology from the other ones. So we're trying to cross-fertilise
0: them. That's kind of where we work. You've been very successful, uh, Miriam, haven't you? Have you felt that um, you you 're riding a wave or you 've got an idea whose time has come. Just talk about the uh, the speed of development of the the green economics institute yeah,
1: um, yeah well it 's been quite overwhelming really. Um, when we first used to do it within the Green Party, we would have, I don't know, 20 people coming to our conferences. And it was fine, but it was a little bit on the pedestrian side. The minute we took it out, we've now got 30 branches globally of people that really want to make a difference, including quite a few who are possibly to be presidents of their countries in quite big Western democracies. Uh, we've also got them all around the world, in other parts of the world, um, at all different levels. And... Um, We've also been courted by the highest levels of business. I'm talking to some of the very largest multinationals and shocked to find that some of those are really desperate for new solutions and they need to find an environment with which they can report on a more long-term social environmental justice agenda, which they feel prevented from doing at the moment with the current economics. So for them, there's a kind of um, human level where they want to do better. Uh, We've also found that, as I say, in governments, and we've found it with campaigners. Um, The interest has been truly astonishing um, and also the media are starting to, to really want to hear what we've got to say. Um, and it's really quite exciting. Yeah.
0: So, it's an idea whose uh, time has come. But... What is the idea? What is green economics?
1: Um, Well, I think green economics, it's it's several things, really. One of the things is an attempt to look at economics as it is today and try and reform it so that it actually provides what economists want, because the economists aren't happy, and provides some kind of social and environmental justice. So it's trying to create an economic environment that actually reflects the position that we really have, so that there are things, for example, like the science data has been excluded from current economics. A lot of people have been excluded from current economics. Um, Homo economicus is the kind of um, model that is used in current economics and really that tends to be white western educated MBA middle class western male and actually most people are different to that and it uses some of the uh, rhetoric and some of the findings from feminist theory and says that actually ideas of difference are really important so it's an economics that looks at the benefits to not just inputs from but benefits to people um, the colonies Uh, minorities, the biosphere, the planet, nature, non-human species, all those groups are reworked in green economics so that they actually benefit from a transaction and they're better off afterwards rather than always being seen as inputs and fodder for the economy, the globalised economy.
0: What is the relationship between green economics and classical economics?
1: quite interesting actually because it's on the tools possibly that are in existence but to change the aims of economics because we think that what's happening at the moment is that current economics is being used to create a neoclassical globalised world largely for the benefit of corporations. And then we have to ask ourselves, who are the corporations in actual fact? Who's this benefiting? And the answer is no one, really. Everybody's in the same mess. Everyone's subject to climate change, pollution, all those things. Nobody's a winner out of that situation. So really, it's a situation where we're trying to...
0: Reform and rewrite.
1: Um, And to give it aims that are much better for everybody.
0: Tell me about the journal of the Institute. When was it launched? What kind of interest have you had in it and where do you hope it will go in the future
1: okay well the journal was a new campaigning tool really a bit like the institute the institute gives endorsement academic endorsement to people who are starting to develop these ideas and the journal was another thing really that helps do that it's the first i think ever green academic journal in the world which is really quite exciting and i don't know if you've seen a copy of it but it's rather pretty uh, nice to use it's yes it's really lovely and it's double blind peer reviewed so the articles are of the highest quality. One of them was actually peer reviewed by 12 different people of which four were professors. So um, it's really quite a good thing because it helps to give space to people. Very often we found people who are even professors in fields quite diverse from things like human rights, people who've written the UN constitution, uh, to professors of politics, but who found themselves frustrated because there's been no academic space for them to really express holistic views that bring in other disciplines. And we've been able to create that space and that's what's really exciting. And then it gives people endorsement, it also gives them um, academic points in this country, it would be RAE assessment points, which means they can build their career on achievements within a green economics perspective and that's a first really. also, two of the articles in the first issue are about radical campaigning, which I don't think have been subject of very many academic articles at all. There's no space for that.
0: Maureen, what part do you think that uh, partying should play in green economics?
1: Um, Interestingly, this is actually quite an important point. One of the main difficulties with current economics is that it's been designed, if you like, to be neither neo nor liberal, as Volker would say. Um, In fact, it's designed to alienate. And why would it be designed to alienate? When you get that sinking feeling when people talk about economics and you think, God, I've got to run away, in actual fact, that's been, in some ways, part of the strategy to make sure that people don't interfere with a kind of neoliberal globalised economic uh, business as usual strategy so what we're trying to do is reclaim economics much like the reclaim movement the the streets movement uh, about 10 years ago so that actually people feel that they have a part to play in economics, they have an economic impact that they need to be responsible for and they also have economic rights uh, so that they can actually claim their economic space and that applies to every single person, everything, every process on the planet and so therefore for partying and celebrating that economics belongs to all of us, there is access for all, is a really fundamental part of green economics.
0: Thank you. Uh, note to editor, by partying, just to clear up any potential confusion, by partying we did mean the kind of party with funny hats and, um, and food and drink and, and not political Celebrations. parties. Celebrations. Celebrations. Talk- Miriam, tell us about the whole the, the, the sustainable development um, I- issue. What what about green economics and sustainable development?
1: Uh, Well, we think in green economics that development is not always a positive thing. It's not always the best thing to go tackling things and to move local economies. Sometimes you need to leave them alone let them get on with what they're doing. Uh, Well, Sustainable development isn't always sustainable, in actual fact. It's often used by big companies to be the exact opposite because they justify the development by saying it's sustainable, but it isn't really.
0: I heard a, a wise old Green once saying that rather than talking about sustainable development, they'd talk about uh, developing sustainability.
1: Exactly. So sustainability is what we're after. Things like sustainable progress are also used sometimes by the government to mean the exact opposite. So you've got to be very careful about the fact that a lot of the language gets ripped off and means the opposite. Yeah.
0: Tell us about Profit. profit.
1: And growth? Growth, yeah. And Uh, growth. Yeah, I think um, growth, conventionally growth often means contribution to GDP, um, (coughs) an increase in the amount of money, uh, and we actually (coughs) don't feel that that's the aim of economics. We want to change the aim of economics to make um, much better conditions for all the groups that we mentioned earlier. Um, And if you're talking about a rainforest, growth in the rainforest means the rainforest growing. It doesn't actually mean being chopped down for a load of timber and then exported, say, from China to the UK.
0: That's not growth, in my opinion. Good. Miriam Kennett, thank you very much.